Today's program is brought to you by Heritage Foods USA, the nation's largest distributor of heritage breed pigs and turkeys. For more information, visit heritagefoodsusa.com. I'm Julia Tertian, host of Radio Cherry Bomb. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Greetings and welcome to Animal Instinct here on Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Celia Kutcher, also known as the Food Healer, and today we're talking music for pets, specifically sound therapy with Lisa Spector, co-creator of Through a Dog's Ear. Lisa Spector is a concert pianist, Juilliard graduate, and canine music expert. By combining her passion for music with her love of dogs, she co-created Through a Dog's Ear, the first music clinically demonstrated to relieve anxiety issues in dogs. Spectre also heads the Through a Dog's Ear Music and Shelters program, a project inspired by her volunteer work. Her music is currently played in over 1,500 shelters worldwide where it is helping increase adoption rates. A former puppy raiser for Guide Dogs for the Blind, Lisa performs classical canine concerts for people and dogs as fundraisers for nonprofit animal organizations. She shares her home and her heart in Half Moon Bay with two dogs, Sanchez and Gina. Actively involved in dog agility, Gina qualified for USDAA Nationals in 2014. Hi, Lisa. Are you there? Hi, Celia. Yes, it's an honor to be here. Thank you. I'm so excited to have you here. And for our listeners today, Lisa's created all the music that you're going to hear throughout the show. So welcome, and thanks again for taking the time. I really appreciate it. Sure. My pleasure. So let's start at the beginning. How long have you been a musician? I started playing the piano when I was seven years old, so that was a long time ago, many decades ago, <laughs> and I took to it quite quickly, became a, became a quite serious student, and went on to study music at the Juilliard School in New York City right after high school, wow. and earned a bachelor of music degree there, and then went on to get my master's in, in piano performance from USC, and I've been playing ever since. That's great. I mean, Juilliard's no joke. That school's, wow. I know some people that went there, actually, for piano as well, and it was, whew, they worked hard there. I'm impressed that you made it. That's, congratulations. That's a Well, I joke. did it because I was young, and you don't, you know, you don't know, the, <laughs> you don't know everything you, you know as an adult, so it's easier. <laughs> Isn't that the truth? So when did you discover that dogs and cats like music, and it can help calm them? Well, I've always had dogs uh, my whole life since I was a child, and I've always noticed that they always come gravitate towards the piano. Even even my dog growing up, who was a cocker spaniel, even the last two years of her life, she was deaf, and she still always came in. As soon as I would play, she would just come running from upstairs Aww. wherever she was to come lie by the piano. Um, but particularly, I noticed the calming effect in, um, I used to own a music school here in Half Moon Bay, just south of San Francisco. Mm-hmm. And in 2003, as a music teacher to humans, I attended a, a 
weekend seminar by Joshua Leeds, who's a sound researcher. And the seminar was on psychoacoustics, which is the study of how sound and music affects the human nervous system. Mm -hmm. And I started applying his principles, meaning uh, similar principles that were used with autistic children in neurodevelopmental centers. And I started applying some of those music principles with my music students, both to calm them and also to do the opposite, sometimes to not discharge the nervous system, but actually charge the nervous system at four in the afternoon when mm-hmm. a tired boy would come into <laughs> lessons. And anyhow, I learned that it took about 30 seconds to calm a f- group of four-year-olds. Wow. And it was so effective that, one, I wondered how I ever even taught music without having this knowledge. But two, also at the time I was a volunteer puppy raiser for Guide Dogs for the Blind. Mm-hmm. And I started noticing that my very hyperactive four-month-old puppy would calm down quite quickly. So that's when I observed it, and then I approached Joshua, who then became my partner in this, um, back starting in 2003 when I approached him about the concept of creating music just for dogs. And so are there different sounds that dogs like than humans do? do, you, do you know, the opening piece was very, you know, it's, it was very human-friendly, and I've listened to your sound bites, and so all of it does sound like music. I wasn't sure when, we first, when I first found you exactly what your music would sound like, you know. But it is really classical-based, huh? It is classical-based, and the reason why is because a research study had been done in 2001 by Irish behaviorist Deborah Wells, and she had tested a variety of types of music, including classical, and found that in the shelter environment, it's classical music that calms dogs, that helps them stop barking, that helps them stop pacing. But we wanted to take it one step further and find out if classical music that had been slowed down, lowered, and simplified mm-hmm. actually helped also relieve anxiety issues in dogs. So a um, two-year clinical research was done, phase one was done in the shelter environment with testing regular unaltered classical music at different tempos in different um, combinations of instruments and solo piano that was slowed down and simplified and that was similar what was being used in neurodevelopmental centers. And all across the board in every shelter with over 150 dogs, um, the music that they responded to and calmed down to and stopped barking and stopped pacing and so forth was the slow, what has now become Calm Your Canine, the slow down simplified piano arrangements. But then in phase two, we tested in the home environment where people were very familiar with their dog's anxiety issues, and we purposely tested right before July 4th uh, because so many dogs are so sound-phobic to fireworks, yeah. and it helped keep dogs calm then. It helps. It helped with separation anxiety. It helped, and so we compare when I say it, meaning the slowed-down, simplified classical as compared to then other classical music that was played on a local um, classical music station. Mm-hmm. Wow. And it was actually the slowdown simplified was actually showed to be 100% more effective at relieving anxiety issues than classical music. If people are playing regular classical music, it's great. It's a whole lot better than TV, and it's a whole lot better in rap and jazz and other things that make dogs agitated. However, classical stations are generally geared to, for humans, to charge their nervous system at four in the afternoon when we tend to get tired and it so it tends to have big orchestra pieces and that that can do a lot to actually increase the dog's anxiety level makes sense 
It really makes sense, you know, and it's a lot of notes and it's a lot of noise and it's a lot of sound. And so mm-hmm. it, it totally, it totally, I mean, this is a no brainer as you're explaining it. Thank you for that amazing explanation because it just clarified everything for me. Oh, good. That was awesome. So are there any specifics or specific instruments that you find that dogs really, really gravitate to and others that they're like, I don't like this at all? Well, it's not, it's not so much about particular composers or instruments as much as simplifying the sound. So the instruments that qualify that would be piano, and one of the advantages of piano is because dogs like dogs in terms of um, calming them prefer lower frequencies. So you can change the octaves a lot, which we do in, this, in the piano music. Uh, they also like um, single instruments, so guitar is another one, and harp is another one. Huh. So I'd, I'd say those are the three that would be effective for calming, and, and those are instruments, uh, particularly harp and piano, that you could lower frequencies pretty easily. Yeah, yeah. Oh, this is so interesting. I've just... <laughs> I'm really, I'm really gobsmacked, Lisa. You got me on now, this one. This now is you may have an audience who says, "Oh, but I play clarinet, and my dog just loves it when I play clarinet." But that person is part of the clarinet, mm-hmm. so they might, you know, that that might be a very binding experience for that for that dog. Mm-hmm. But I'm just, you know, this is a generality of those single single instruments are calmer, and those are the three. And do you find the same results for human beings that you're getting for dogs with this music? We do really. That honestly, that's the most fascinating part of this whole through a dog's ear project, is that we we just when I always joke that we went through the doggy door to really get to the humans, because mm-hmm. what happens is that he, our our sound environment is so chaotic in our human and our you know how we've set up and it just gets more and more so every year yeah. with all the beeps and whistles and technology and 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 all the sounds that come with the technology and. And we often don't realize how reactive we are as humans to those sounds, but our dogs notice, and mm. our dogs notice instantly. And it's so if we can do something that actually calms us as well, anything that we feel, as we know, at, that um, is calming then gets transferred down to the other end of the leash. So yeah. it's helpful to humans, to two-leggeds and four-leggeds, and they both help each other. So one of the examples of trainers just love to use through a dog's ear during classes, and particularly classes that generally can be a little stressful, such as um, reactive dog classes or dogs with fearful issues. Mm-hmm. And it can be really tense for the humans because, you know, those dogs aren't always so comfortable being around other dogs. Yeah. And what what the trainers often do is they play the music before the people even come in. And as soon as the people come in, they just take a deep sigh and, and they you know their breath slows down and, and they're just calmer. And then the dogs instantly pick up on that. That's so cool. That's really, really great. So I want to know who's Dr. Alfred Tomatis and what does he have to do with all this? Um, that's a good question. Delfer, um, Alfred Tomatis is um, a... Um, not a personal mentor of Joshua, but someone who Joshua Leeds has has studied his work. He was actually known as the Einstein of the ear and was an ears, ear and nose um, surgeon. And he really discovered the extraordinary powers of sound as a nutrient for the nervous system. Oh, cool. So if you think about food that we eat and when you eat healthy food and, and how much that can be a nutrient for our nervous system, the sound can do exactly the same thing. So he really created um, 
the you know the idea of therapeutic sound, mm-hmm. which then we have then transferred that into the four-legged world. So do you find, like, if you're, I know your music's played in shelters and at vets' offices as well, because it can calm down the animals and kind of just let them relax and let their whole uh, nervous system just kind of be at peace, do you find it helps them heal quicker from, like, sicknesses and diseases and injuries as well? Um, there hasn't been a study on that, and that would be interesting, so I can only speak kind of hypothetically of what we hear. Yeah. And anecdotally from what we hear is that, um, yes, because... Any any anxiety issue always has to do with stress. Mm-hmm. So whether it's an anxiety because a dog has had surgery and it just isn't in his normal environment, isn't recovering well, if you can calm the canine nervous system and really get to the heart of the problem, then that really helps everything. Mm-hmm. I mean, it helps then the, the um, veterinarians really focus on the healing and really focus on the real issue. I'll tell you, I worked in a vet's office, and we would play music in the rooms, too, and it, it's true. I mean, some of the stuff just activates them, and, you know, we would always play, like, popular music. We rarely had classical on, and um, it was really interesting what would happen is you would see a bit of a reaction, but it was like, you know, you'd get a nervous dog or cat in a room, and then all of a sudden some, like, fast, loud pop song would come on, and it, you just knew you were doomed. I mean, you just knew that you were right, going to get exactly. bit or scratched I mean, or I've something. had, you know, unfortunately, it all worked out well, but my younger lab was in ER, and and I left music on with her when I had to leave at mm-hmm. 2 in the morning and came back in the morning, and, you know, the whole vet clinic thanked me because not only did it calm her, but it calmed all the dogs and it calmed the staff. That sounds great. I mean, I think that just would be just such a nice additional step, you know, just to let everybody just kind of take a deep breath because I mean, I, the clinic I was in, it's a great place, but I worked there for four years, and I never in a million years imagined how stressful it is to be in an animal hospital. You know, right. I just never, right. ever realized just how intense it was. And, um, you know, the clients are upset. The animals are injured. The animals can't talk, this whole thing. So there's the lack of communication. Then there's the huge stress and, you know, other factors as well. Right. And it's like, I want to, like, sell, send your CD to my old boss so he can play it all the time Great. and just let everybody just <laughs> calm down a little bit and take a deep breath. <laughs> I am loving this interview. Lisa, we're going to take a break for just a minute. We're going to come back and continue. We're talking all about through the dog's ear, so just hang on. Since 2001, Heritage Foods USA has sold pasture-raised, antibiotic-free heritage meats to restaurants and homes around the country. Our farmers raise their animals with care using traditional methods guaranteed to produce the very best-tasting meat. Our pork breeds include Berkshire, Red Wattle, Duroc, Gloucester Old Spot, Large Black, and Tamworth, and our beef comes from Piedmontese, Angus Akiyushi, Belgian Blue, Highland, Simmental, and Belted Galloway cattle. We also carry a rotation of 24 rare breeds of heritage chicken, seasonal specialties like lamb, goat, geese, and of course, heritage turkeys. Visit us online at www.heritagefoodsusa.com or give us a call at 718-389-0985 to place your order today. Hi, I'm Reggie Watts, and you're listening to HeritageRadioNetwork.org. 
Hey, and we are back. We're talking to Lisa Spector, co-creator of Through a Dog's Ear. Lisa, I wanted to know, what does bioacoustic mean? Bioacoustic is really simply the study of how animals hear sound and music. So do they hear pretty much what we do? Um, they actually hear much, excuse me, much greater than we do in much higher frequencies. Cats hear, um, well, dogs hear, I don't have the exact numbers in front of me, but much higher frequencies than we do, and cats hear twice as high as we do. Really? In, in terms of hertz. And so that's why very oftentimes you'll, all of a sudden you'll be watching your cat or dog in, at home, and they'll perk their ears, and they're hearing something, and you just don't know where that sound's coming from. Yeah. And very, I mean, I've heard stories after stories of dogs reacting to, let's say, a buzzer from the beeper of the laundry and the dryer mm-hmm. in, in the garage, and you don't even hear when it goes out, but they develop oftentimes a fearful reaction to that buzz, and they won't walk by the dryer, and no one knows why, and very oftentimes it's created by sound. Mm. Hmm. And so then what is the difference between active listening and passive hearing? Um, active listening is oftentimes how music is created. So classical music, um, you know, when you think about Haydn or Mozart, you know, when it was created, it was it was entertainment. There was no TV, there were no computers, and that's what people did in Chopin's time. It was music salons at night, and so it was designed to cause the listener after dinner, you know, to be active, and it would have all sorts of patterns in it and and interesting um, themes and things to listen to, and so that causes the listener to be active, and that's great for that purpose and in the concert hall, but for the intention of calming ourselves and for calming animals, we want to take them into passive listening, where mm-hmm. we oftentimes take out the active patterns and simplify them so that they can go from a state of it's, it's, it's almost just background music. It's just like putting your head down on a really soft blanket. Mm-hmm. Um, rather than sitting up at a rock concert. <laughs> Makes sense. And, like, what's the correct or the appropriate volume, I guess, to play your music for animals? Like, you know, is it loud enough that everyone can hear it, like, clearly, or is it kind the, of... That's background? a really good question. For the most part, most people play it too loud. Mm. So how I always answer that is I would say a gentle volume that if you were home alone listening to the music, let's say you are playing it for your pet who's alone, and if you were home alone all day listening to that music, what level would be comfortable for you that it wouldn't be irritating? I know even even myself... If I um, am playing it in the car and it's too loud, it's if it's irritating to me, it is definitely irritating to my dog. Good point. So, so it's it's not about bringing up the volume and masking out other sounds. It's all about calming the canine nervous system, or in through a cat's ear, the feline nervous system. And so, how effective is this therapy? It's been honestly, it continue every day. I can't believe the stories I hear. Oh, I love the clinical that. testing was in the areas of separation anxiety, sound phobias, hyperactivity, um, things along those lines. What's happened since our release of the first CD, "Come Your Canine Companion," Volume One, in two thousand eight. Since then, people have gotten very creative in how they use the music. So they, there are dogs with history of really extreme aggression 
issues and mm-hmm. fearful issues, that it's helped them. It's, it's helped several of the Michael Vick survive, surviving wow. rehabilitated victory dogs. Uh, it's helped dogs just with extreme fearful issues, extreme sound photos that used to jump out of the window during Fourth of July, have been able to get off of drugs during fireworks. Wow. Um, I mean, it's helped, honestly, it's kind of... It, it continues to surprise me, the stories I hear. I love that. That that You just made my day with that. I love when these therapies that, you know, I've had a lot of real alternative therapies on the show, and so some of them seem a little woo-woo and some of them will seem a little extreme, but then when you see the results and it actually works, it's just like, yes. Right. We you know? love skeptical people. We me just too. love it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I get emails on Facebook every day of, Lisa, you won't believe it. I, I didn't think this was real. Like, my dog, you know, Totally, you know, stopped his obsessive, obsessive compulsive disorder. Amazing. You know, I mean, that's another area we did not test. Wow. We've heard a lot of feedback. Because, again, it has to do anything that has to do with stress. Mm-hmm. That's where it can really help. And sometimes the signs are minimal. So we say it helps dogs reduce barking. Well, it doesn't mean they're never going to bark. We yeah. don't want them to not bark at their dogs. But it may minimize the length of time that they're barking, and it may minimize the reactive quality to their barking Mm -hmm. so that you still want them to alert you that someone's at the door but you may not want them to bark for 15 minutes after that person has arrived no and i love that point too is because you know the essence of a dog a dog does what a dog does and so this music isn't going to turn your dog into your butler you know this is going to right exactly no not at all i mean you know that's why we get them but it's just such a nice way to For me, it's another tool in my chest. So I love that. I think it's really, really cool. And it's, you know, for everyone else, too, because in many cases, people are so quick to run to drugs, you know, and if there's things I can do it with no side effects, that's a quarter of the price and you don't need a prescription. Hey, I'm down. Yeah, less than a quarter of a price. And it's there's no harm in trying. Exactly. Exactly. You can't possibly do any harm. We do recommend, however, that people you know, with a dog with an extreme anxiety issue, that they actually start to build a conditioning program. So they actually start to play the music at first when the dog is already calm. Mm-hmm. And we often suggest bedtime because because it makes people sleepy too. <laughs> so, and it can be very, um, uh, just very bonding experience between person and, and, and their dog of sharing the joy of listening to the calming music together. But we recommend that for about three nights or you know, three times a different playtime before they would introduce it at a more anxiety-provoking situation. Let's, let's say, you know, if the dog's home alone and is prone to separation anxiety. Mm-hmm. And so when... I'm assuming there are different ways to use the music to help specific things. Am I right, or just playing it all the time? Um, there are different ways. So we have many training programs, um, particularly in our... So we have a newer product that's been out about a year and a half now called the iCom Dog. Oh, good. Which is a portable that. solution to canine anxiety. And um, it's an MP3 player, and it goes everywhere the dog goes. So you can take it to the vet and to the groomer and to the dog sitter. And if you ever have to, unfortunately, leave your dog in the yard like I did, mm. you can leave it with them then. And uh, there are many different training programs that we've done with Victoria Stillwell. Cool. And and the wonderful and famous Animal Planet trainer, and it's me or the dog. And uh, so she's created programs. We have our Canine Phobia series, nice. which is for 
a training program for dogs with uh, fear of fireworks and thunderstorms and uh, city sounds. And so it's a desensitization program. So it's basically the calming music in the background while the progressive sounds, let's say, of the fireworks are gradually brought in while you're working with your dog. Let's say, you know, you're providing their favorite thing, you're throwing ball mm-hmm. or chickens falling from the sky or you're, you're changing their association so that they don't they not only begin to accept fireworks but they begin to they you know hear the fireworks it's like yay chickens are about to fall from the sky. <laughs> <laughs> but the but the music actually helps to keep them under the stress threshold which is so important which so many of us know of once those dogs get beyond the stress threshold they don't even want chickens yeah um, so it's keeping them underneath. The music helps to do that while you're working a desensitization program. And then she's also helped uh, create a program called Separation Anxiety Beautiful. and also Aggression for dogs with uh, fearful cool. and, and reactive issues. Wow. That's amazing. And then we also have age-specific programs, not training programs, but age-specific programs with um, some frequency modulation alterations done Mm post-production. And those are for elderly canines, which is very near and dear to my heart because Mm. my puppy, who I talked about, Sanchez, at the beginning of the interview was actually career changed from guide dogs, so he got to be my dog. And he's now approaching 12 years old. So, you know, gone through a whole bunch of senior issues with him. Mm -hmm. And we used it for elderly music to comfort your elderly canine. We actually used it uh, around the clock when he had two years ago at a slip disc. Wow. And we were dealing with pain management. And I will tell you that music helped comfort him as much as it did me and i'm so happy he worked through that and i i it was just invaluable and then we have programs for puppies so for puppies we have uh, sounds to acclimate them to so it's general indoor and outdoor sounds mm-hmm. combined with the calming music underneath just to no training involved but just to acclimate them and in a calming environment so then you know when they hear that ambulance outside for the first time they they've already been kept under the stress threshold with the music so they they're growing up with a different association of that it's a great idea it really really is so do you have any uh fans of your music that have tried it with like other animals like horses or reptiles or we do and i love hearing these stories lots of stories from horse people and um cats that's how we developed through a cat here because everyone kept playing <laughs> your canine for their cats and um I, I don't think there's any animal we haven't heard about their parrot a lot of birds parrots um, iguanas, <laughs> pot-bellied pigs. Oh. <laughs> it just goes on and on. It just it always amazes me. It's so cool. It's so cool. And it's, you know, when I first found you, I was like, what is this all about? You know, and I, and I have to admit that when I first heard, like, my first initial split-section reaction was like, you know, the Christmas albums with the dogs with, the, like, the bark, 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 bark. Right. And I was like, well, there's, there's no Well, there's a lot way. of those albums on the market, and we wanted to, the reason we took so long to get this on the market from 2003 at the start of coming up with the concept to 2008, our first release, is because of we wanted to make sure it was clinically researched and and that we you know it was really seen as as a serious modality for sound therapy for relieving anxiety issues in our beloved pets so how how has the reaction been for people that have never heard this before that you talk to them about it 
um, a lot of people are like you were skeptical at first, and we love that. Yeah. You know, I just say bring it on. We love skeptical people because we love when we prove them wrong. Me too. <laughs> so to speak. But on the other hand, there's, you know, all the trainers. We have a big following of trainers, and we've basically, they thank us all the time because we've given them another another modality to put in their toolkit. Yep. You know, so a, a client might come to them with extreme sound phobia issues. And, and my personal feeling from observing people, you know, not trainers, but other people that, like even my sister who just as an adult, you know, adopted her first dog about a year ago. When I went to visit the dog, I couldn't believe how sound sensitive she was. Mm. But not ever having a dog, she didn't know that. And yeah. so I've given her some tools to work with. But so many dogs are, and it can, it can cause, it's, you know, it's not only behavior, it actually can cause health issues as well definitely so so it's we're you know we're helping to educate people about sound environment you know i'm a, i'm a sound snob i'm i walk into a restaurant and i don't care how good that food is on the menu if it's a noisy sound environment i won't eat there mm-hmm. i mean that's it ruins the food for me mm-hmm. so um i'm not a dog but i'm very aware of my sound environment yeah. i'm incredibly conscious of the sound environment that i expose my dogs to and so we ask, you know, part of our mission is just to educate people on where you're bringing the dogs, watching their reaction to sound, and and being careful to not only um, provide a healthy sound environment, but it's because this music through a dog's ear, it, it not only relieves anxiety issues, but it really is good for all dogs and for and for humans as well mm-hmm. because because of the crazy sound environment that as people we've created that we now live in. So this is kind of a weird question, but like, if you if one is playing music in their home and you have pets or they have pets, with the volume dial, I mean, where do you think is too high? Do you think like five is too loud for animals? Four, like, how do you know when the volume is too high? Like we talked about it before with your music, but like, if it, well, there you- are decibel. Even you know, my iPhone, I have a decibel meter, and um, I'd really have to look up what that what that reading is, and I can supposed to comment to this after I look it up, <laughs> but um, again, I compare it to the human sound, so yeah. not too often, but every, you know, if I'm like cleaning out my desk or cleaning house, sometimes I want some, my loud Zumba playlist on, mm-hmm. and if it's a nice day, my dogs will be outside. <laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't expose them to that, yeah. because I see what happens, you know, and I don't even have the most sound-sensitive dogs, but I see, I wouldn't say they get... It's not that they have anxiety around sound, but they just don't settle the way they do as if sound is really soothing. Mm-hmm. And so I say just a gentle volume, and if you want to blast music, just don't, you know, allow your dogs to leave the room. Yeah. Allow your dogs to go somewhere where they're not so close to the sound source. Makes sense to me. I mean, completely. Because, you know, it's funny. I, it's, I know a fair amount of musicians, and some have pets and things like that, and it's like some cats... When everybody's jamming and stuff, some cats will come to come to the room and take a look, you know. But I've found that, like, the dogs are gone. If there's a dog in the room, it's like the minute the snare drum is hit or a drum is hit, it's like, all right, their history. Yeah, exactly. You know? So I just say allow them to leave. Yeah. You know, allow them to go in a back room where, where um, it's, you know, it's just more distant to them. So do you think that all animals like music? Um. That's a hard question to answer. I know it's um, kind of but blanket. we've just had such overwhelming response from 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 people that have had just incredible observations. Mm-hmm. Um, I have met I have met only one dog in my life that actually 
recognize certain composers. Wow. And, and would leave the room for Bach and Mozart every time, <laughs> but had his favorite piece of music, which was the Greek piano concerto. And I was, it was a family I was staying with when I was play, soloist. I was playing that with the local orchestra. And that dog would just howl in delight with the opening of the Greek every time. <laughs> every time would come running from wherever it was. But every time I played Bach and Mozart, would leave the room. That, that's the only dog I've ever met in my entire life. That was that specific. That's so, awesome. So, you know, he clearly did not like all music, all classical music. <laughs> and so, you know, dogs are like humans. Every dog is different, and yep. they all have their personal taste. So, it, so I really couldn't say every dog. In Fair enough. But I think for most dogs... Most dogs that have hearing are living in our crazy human sound environment, yeah. and for the most part, they they react to simple sounds, which is what through a dog's ear. In such, it's like a breath of fresh air. It's like some if you watch them so often, time it's like they go up to the speaker, they cock their head, they listen, and it's like they're saying, "Ah, oh, finally, thank <laughs> you." <laughs> totally, totally. So what's the most rewarding thing about being part of sound therapy for animals for you? You know, people ask me if I ever imagined that I would be doing this when I graduated from Juilliard. And, of course, no. <laughs> but I, the reason that I couldn't possibly imagine anything more satisfying is because how the stories that I hear of how it's helping dogs in ways that I personally could not have even imagined. And when I hear that it's helped, you know, a victory dog, a surviving Michael Dick Vick dog, just for the first time move from a fetal position to an open position wow. when she was listening to music, for the first time closing her eyes while she slept, you wow. know, the first time a dog would... Um, not have to be put on drugs during Fourth of July fireworks, or I hear even stories of just the binding experience of a person and their senior dog experience together in the last phase of life. Aww. And and I mean that's what that is the most satisfying part of all this is providing something that is so valuable to. The, the, not only the four leggeds but also the two leggeds and yeah. their relationship together. Yep. Well, I think this is so amazing and just wonderful. I'm so glad that we've gotten to talk and that we could talk about I could learn about this and share it with my listeners because I think what you're doing is really, really amazing. And I apologize to you thinking that originally that you guys were doing Christmas carols with barks and meows. So oh, I love it. I'll okay. take it back. <laughs> <laughs> There's plenty of those on the market. <laughs> so, Lisa, how can people find you? How can people get your CDs? Let's get all that information out. So they can find us at throughadogsear.com. And then, uh, you know, as we're approaching the holiday season, the iCom dog, which is everyone's calling their dog's iPod, <laughs> um, is a great gift item. And that, so just to touch on that a little bit, that comes with that supportable player, mm -hmm. and it comes already um, downloaded with four hours of the Calm Your Canine music. Cool. And uh, that you can also, also find at throughadogsear.com. That sounds great. And then you're, are you on Facebook as well and all that stuff? Facebook is in Twitter and Instagram and Pinterest and everything else. Ooh, you're I manage all that myself, so it's, it's my voice. It's speaking fun, that. Right? You'll see pictures of my <laughs> lovely Labradors, Sanchez and Gina, um, on all our social media channels. I'll tell you, the social media is hard work. you got more than me, man. I can't keep up with all of it. <laughs> it's, well, it's, it's always changing. You know? 
It really is. Lisa, thank you again. Sincerely, this was amazing, and I'm so glad to have shared this and have learned all this awesome information about your stuff. I want a CD for myself. I'll tell you that. That sounds fantastic. So thank you again. I'm Celia Kutcher, and we will talk to you guys next week with an all-new show. Take care. for listening to this program on heritageradionetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can email us with questions anytime at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a 501c3 nonprofit. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.